I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. Living with roommates isn't just a cost-saving measure for young people waiting for their careers to take off. In the Bay Area, with its exorbitant cost of living, people at all stages of life are getting roommates. Now, a nonprofit is connecting strangers who are at risk of losing their apartments, many of them seniors, and seeing if they might thrive and be able to stay in the city by living together. Home Match finds and pairs up potential roommates, and the organization now has a contract with the city of San Francisco. Last year, it connected Richard Sanchez with the person whose empty second bedroom he ended up moving into. He's like a, almost the perfect roommate. Richard had been staying with friends. It was impossible to afford a place of his own. I was staying with some friends. It was only a temporary thing. It's expensive in San Francisco. And then um, if you do find a place, it's usually not in the kind of area I like to be in. It's, I just want to feel safe. And I want to like the person I'm living with. I wanted to find a, a nicer place than normally just on the paper or little advertisements. Those have never worked out for me very well. I always end up with somebody that's kind of not good for, for my life. So he applied to be matched with a roommate through the Home Match program. They wanted you to like fill out a form and get your um, financial background and basically feel out who you are and then match you up with somebody else. So that sounded really good to me. Instead of just going, I was like, hi, how are you? And then they turn out to be scary, Mary. His new roommate would be Gary Allenby, the master tenant of a two-bedroom apartment near the Castro that he was struggling to afford even with rent control. It turned out to be a mutually beneficial arrangement. I mean, I do a lot of performing, but it's nice to come home and see Gary and just like, he'll make dinner, I'll make breakfast. I was like, just tell me, maybe a list and I'll go buy the food. It's like, and it's, it's worked out really, really, really well. I feel very, very lucky. For Richard and Gary, losing their housing might have meant moving away. For others, especially those who have been precariously housed for a long time, it can be the beginning of a quick decline into homelessness. San Francisco's contract with Home Match is specifically intended to keep more people in their apartments and prevent them from ending up on the street. Chronicle reporter Kevin Fagan recently got to know Richard and Gary and learn more about how this roommate matchmaking tool fits into the bigger picture of San Francisco's efforts to prevent homelessness. Kevin, thanks for sitting down with me. Hey, thanks for having me. You talked with two people, both in their 60s, who were scraping by in San Francisco. Now they're roommates, which is allowing both of them to stay here. Tell me about your conversation with Richard, who we just heard from, and Gary. Oh, they're they're really fun guys. I got to tell you, I had a lot of fun sitting with them and talking with them. Gary has been here for a long time. He's 69 years old. He moved into the apartment that he lives in in 1985. Mm. And Richard, he grew up in San Francisco. And he went up to the Northwest, did a lot of that, hated the snow, hated the cold, came back here a couple of years ago and was staying with friends. The uh, trouble for him is that he's on lives on Social Security, which doesn't give you a whole ton of money. Yeah. And so he needed to find a room with someone rather than a studio because he looked around like so many people and found that studios are a couple of grand a month. And Social Security is usually you're going to be getting maybe 1500 a month, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to spend 100% of your income on a place. So he went to this nonprofit called Home Match that he heard about through LGBTQ Center and they looked around, they, they did a background check, 
They vetted him to see how he was as a roommate in other places, talked to him about what he wanted in a roommate, and then matched him up with Gary, who was looking for a roommate to come in and take the second bedroom. Can you describe what it's like over there in their house, Richard and Gary's house? It's a kick. (laughs) You go into the living room, and it's filled with pink flamingos, little statuettes. Beautiful. The place is neat as a pin. And Hawaiian figures, it's, you know, people, na- native Hawaiians in, you know, grass skirts and guys looking like they're ready to go s- jump off a, a cliff to go swimming. It, it was very fun because Gary had lived in Hawaii for a little while. He loved Hawaii. He didn't want to live there forever, though. He loved San Francisco. But the furniture has palm frond themes in it. And then you go down the hallway. It's the Barbara Streisand hall- hallway. has posters from one end to the other, they're beautiful. The kitchen is the Marilyn Monroe kitchen. The, these guys have an imagination. They have fun. They're digging life. And it poured off them. They were delightful people to spend some time with. And they clearly enjoyed living with each other as roommates. It was, it was a good fit. Yeah, tell me more about that. What are, what are the benefits of this roommate arrangement other than just making it affordable to pay rent? Well, it gives you companionship, for one, because for a lot of folks, when you're aging in place, as they say, and you're alone, it gets lonely. And you want someone else who has the same kind of interest in life and likes to watch the same kind of movies, you know, to eat some of the same kind of food. Somebody you can actually live with. Anytime you get a roommate, young or old, you want someone that you don't, you're not going to, you know, be swearing under your breath when they wake up early and you wake up late. They go out clubbing all night and you're in bed by nine. You have to find a match. And that's true of any age. But this saved a lot of trouble for both Gary and Richard because they didn't have to go on Craigslist and take a, you know, a flying leap of faith. They got matched. And what Home Match did was after vetting them and trying and matching them up by profiles, they had them talk and they had them visit and check each other out to see, okay, are you who I think you are? And then they were who they thought they were. And then Richard moved into Gary's place. Gary's the master tenant on this this rent-controlled apartment. So he's able to stay as long as he has someone to help, you know, hold up half the rent. Mm -hmm. And it hit both wallets really well. You described how they set up a meeting between them and visits and all this other stuff. What else do they do to facilitate this process? You mentioned a background check. Is there anything Mm -hmm. else that goes into this? Pretty much that. You want to do a background check to make sure there's there are no alarm bells in there. Call up former roommates, former landlords. Just make sure that it's not going to fall apart two weeks after the guy moves in. Right. What about the aspect of not having to go on Craigslist? You know, you mentioned that. This seems like it's something that's especially important for seniors, for example, who might not feel as comfortable with technology or like finding somebody on Facebook or I don't know, whatever the kids do these days to connect to roommates. I know. <laughs> yeah, some some people don't do Facebook. Some people don't even do email, texting. What's that? You know, you have to be respectful of, of different eras different generations of folks, this cuts through all that for them. Mm-hmm. They, don't have to, they don't have to do the work. 
This program, Home Match, it's run by an independent nonprofit, but like so many of the services for low income and homeless people in San Francisco, that nonprofit now has a contract with the city to do exactly this, to match people to one another. This is part of San Francisco's efforts to prevent homelessness, to keep people who are on the brink from going over the edge. Why is that so important? It saves money and it saves sanity and it saves lives. (laughs) Because if you can stay where you are, instead of tumbling into desperation, it's just phenomenally better all the way around. A lot of times the city and other cities, this is not unique to San Francisco, does what's called problem solving, where if you're low income and say you get sick, you have to take a bunch of time off, they don't pay you for sick time, suddenly you're behind on the rent, the city will chip in and fill in the rent. Hmm. Or if you're, say, traveling, you know, a fix-it guy of some kind of plumber or something, and your truck breaks down and you suddenly can't do your job, they'll help you fix the truck. And these kinds of investments are cheaper than someone winding up in the street or in a shelter and needing to be restored. Because a shelter is 60 grand a year, at least, at most places. Per and more, person or for the whole facility? No, per person. Wow. Yeah. And it, it's it's more expensive than some jails. And jails are pretty expensive too if you wind up homeless and you wind up in trouble. Uh, that's a different kind of subset. But the the fact is once you're in a shelter and you need to be connected to services, you're going to consume staff time. You're going to have anguish involved. It's just better not to have to become homeless to begin with. So problem solving and prevention is is, is very important. And in this city, since 2020, there have been about 1,200 people prevented from becoming homeless, which is really significant. I mean, that's a lot of folks. And this program has a lot of promise for helping with that. It gives another tool in the toolbox. So far, the program seems to be working. We'll talk about what indicators the city has that this is an effective method of preventing homelessness after a break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Kevin, you were just saying that problem solving, so paying a one-time expense or matching up roommates, costs less than helping someone who's already homeless. Tell me why it's so much more expensive and time-consuming to help somebody off the street than it is to figure out what problem is happening in their life and then what specific unique tool might be needed to solve that problem. Yeah, it it gets more expensive the more desperate you are. Uh. For someone in a shelter, they are often what they call self-resolving. You lost a job, you got sick, you went behind on rent, you lose your place, you wind up in a shelter for a few months, and then you get your feet back under you and find another place to live. That's actually a surprising number of homeless people. The ones that are most acutely in need are the chronically homeless. And there's a couple of thousand of those folks in San Francisco. And those are the ones you see in the tents using drugs often, untreated mental illness, the ones that everyone thinks 
is emblematic of every homeless person? No, it's it's a smaller proportion of the overall population because there are about 8,000 homeless people in San Francisco, which has been consistent with some dips occasionally for more than 20 years. Uh, and about half of those are what they call unsheltered, and a smaller number of them are the chronically homeless. Now, if you're chronically homeless in San Francisco, it's you're consuming about $80,000 a year in police services, occasional dips into jail or shelter, ambulance and hospital rides, any of a number of things go into it, and it averages out to about 80 grand a year. That's a lot more expensive than helping some guy with a couple of thousand bucks to fix his truck so he can continue doing his traveling fix-it job. And now we have this additional tool in the toolkit of matching people to potential roommates. How successful has that program been so far? They say that it's very successful, and I trust them. Uh, Gary and Richard were wonderful examples. They've been living together for a year, and they're happy. It's a beautiful apartment right on the edge of the Castro. It's the kind of place, if you're in San Francisco, it's a cool place to be. And it's if they hadn't been connected with each other, you know, there would be some doubt that they would both be in San Francisco because you'd have to move out. They could go live with family somewhere perhaps or some farther away place that was a lot cheaper that they don't really want to live in. So I think it's been very successful for them, and I'm told that that's the usual experience. Do we have any numbers on how many people have been matched this way? Well, in the last year and a half, they've matched 68 okay. in San Francisco, and they're hoping to double that with this contract. You refer in your story to a study showing that nearly half of California's homeless population is over the age of 50. And within that, more than 40% of them didn't become homeless until after they turned 50. Seniors are one of the fastest growing populations among those experiencing homelessness. This has been true for a while. What is going on there? What do we know about aging and its connection to homelessness? Yeah, that's a much broader crisis in American society. We have about a third of the country by realistic metrics that is about at poverty or below. And that is not getting appreciably better. It's been that way for a while. And if you're doing a laboring job, swinging a shovel, punching a counter on your feet all day, it, and you get into your 50s, uh, your body starts wearing out. And if you've been living paycheck to paycheck, as so many people do, when you can no longer work and you're in your 50s, you're not pulling a full Social Security check. So where do you go? You turn to family. A lot of people who are low income like that, paycheck to paycheck, their families are the same way. And they can't take people into their apartments that they're barely able to afford the rent on. I wrote about a study on this a few years back and found that a lot of folks not only were unable to move in with their families, but they had pride. They didn't want to, to burden their families. So they go outside. And people over 50 years old living outside, it's really hard. I mean, you cannot endure the sidewalk and the tent camps the way you could when, when or if you were in your 20s or 30s. It's a growing phenomenon. And it's purely economics, as far as the researchers I've talked to can tell. You just can't afford to work like a gerbil anymore. It's really an indication of a somewhat brutal society. You work until you drop. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what about our safety nets? I mean, you were just talking earlier about how much social security is and it's like less than half of the rent of a one bedroom in San Francisco. Have we seen declines there as well? Or is that just the out of control cost of living? It's the out of control cost of living, especially for San Francisco. Now, if you were living in Arkansas, you could get by on social security or living in the Central Valley. Yeah. Yeah. You can get by. But if you want to stay in San Francisco, that's not going to cut it. And in some cases, it seems like that's not just, you know, some kind of fantasy. It's not a luxury, you know, to want to stay in San Francisco, even though it is expensive. One of the large groups of people or large pluralities, I guess, in the home sharing system is queer folks, LGBTQ seniors and and LGBTQ people who sometimes may not have those connections to their families to go and ask for support from their families and for whom the community here is just really essential. Oh, yeah. It's a chosen family because particularly for older LGBTQ seniors, back in the day, families were not as accepting and those kinds of wounds don't always heal fully. And then as you get older, you know, the the folks that you had die off. Gay marriage wasn't legal until not that many years ago. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I was sitting with Gary and Richard, and Gary was looking through a photo album. And he's had a great life. He's had a lot of fun. Great friends. But we were looking at it. He said, that one's dead. That one died of AIDS. That one's cancer. Mm. They moved away. They're gone. And Richard was echoing that kind of concern. So when you have a chosen family and a lot of them pass away or move away, uh, you got to choose some new ones. And this was very useful for connecting people who can find comfort and, and support each other. Both these guys had had strokes. Gary had small strokes. Richard had a, a larger stroke. Mm. So they know what to look for each in each other, which is useful. Someone who understands it instead of someone who doesn't, they can be supportive of, of the kinds of needs that, that crop up when you're, when you're older. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You write about a lot, of, a lot of horrible stuff, a lot of doom and gloom and misery and really awful street conditions. Yeah. Um, so what's it like for you to cover a program like this for a change? I'm glad you asked. I love it. I love it when I get to do a happy story. Oh my God. It's, it's, there is a lot of misery in the world and we cover a lot of it. And I cover an unusual amount, I guess. Spending time with Gary and Richard was the highlight of my week, if not the month. It was nice to see something working really well. No one was broken, no one was dying. The, a program was helping people have better lives. Dig it. I was very happy. I'm really glad to hear that. Kevin, thanks for talking with me. Thanks, Laura. Kevin Fagan covers homelessness and breaking news. Find his work at sfchronicle.com. Thanks to Sarah Feldberg for editing this episode, Keith Manconi for production help, Gary Baca for mixing the audio, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs>